Good music is very, very important and uh, just a, a very important part of, of our life. And so, guys, thank you, thank you for that uh, song. I am so blessed. I get to I get to hear my family sing at home so often, and uh, those are some precious memories. Brother Ho, uh, you enjoy that, don't you? Enjoy your your children playing instruments and and singing together at home. And I, I want to encourage you, uh, get you a songbook and uh, and bring music into your home, good music into your home, and and uh, make that a part of your home. And uh, it's such a such an important aspect. Uh, of our Christian life. Colossians uh, chapter 4, uh, if you're able to stand with me tonight as we open up the Word of God and we'll read together a portion of God's Word here this evening. We've been marching through the book of Colossians here on, on uh, Wednesday nights and uh, it's been personally such a blessing to me. Uh, you may not be enjoying it, but I am enjoying it and uh, the Lord is just teaching me uh, so very much uh, as we're just going through the, the book of Colossians and I've also enjoyed First Peter on uh, on Sunday nights and uh, really just thoroughly enjoyed both of these books and I've been amazed at how the two books kind of fit together in so many uh, so many aspects Colossians 4 um, let's start in verse number 2 uh, Colossians 4 uh, we preached uh, through verses 2 and 3 uh, last Wednesday night but I want to read here again verse number 2 continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And uh, what we're going to, to examine tonight is our witness. Uh, last week we looked at our prayer life, and here tonight is our witnessing life. And uh, we are called to be witnesses. Every child of God, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you are a witness for the Lord. And uh, whether a good witness or a bad witness, you're called to be a witness for Christ. And so a lot of just practical principles that God gives us in being a witness. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And would you ask tonight that God's way would be done here in our hearts and each of us and that we would yield to the Lord. Father, I thank you for this privilege here tonight to be in this place and been blessed to hear the testimony of this couple that uh, uh, is going to be going to the field of Argentina. And uh, Lord, just the burden that you've given unto them, the call upon their life. And I pray that uh, you would give them a powerful witness as they would go forth. And Lord, I pray also here for us tonight uh, that you would challenge our hearts, that we would ever look for opportunity uh, to be a witness and that we would do so with boldness and with clarity. Lord, help us tonight as we open the word of God. Teach us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. And as you're seated, I want to just back up and very, very, very quickly look at um, uh, just some of these practical things. We're in this portion of Colossians that uh, just speaks about the practical aspects of the Christian life. In verses 2 and 3 that we dealt with last week, we talked about our prayer life. And we read there, continue in prayer. This is to pray continuously. And as the Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18, Pray without ceasing. 
um, are verse 16, pray without ceasing. And we are to pray continuously. And then uh, as we read on, watch in the same with thanksgiving. We're to pray steadfastly or persistently without fainting. Uh, the Bible tells us uh, that, uh, that we are to uh, be persistent in prayer when God has put something upon our heart. And we're to pray gratefully, praying with thanksgiving, the Bible teaches us. And very important as we're praying uh, that we have grateful, thankful hearts. And then Paul says, with all praying also for us. And so we pray purposefully. There is a specific prayer request that Paul is asking. And he's saying, pray for me uh, that I may boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now here tonight, uh, again, just being practical, this practical aspect of the Christian life. It's our witness, and every child of God is called to be a witness. Uh, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, he says, ye shall be witnesses of these things. And a witness is simply one that uh, tells or declares what he knows. He says or explains what he has seen. Uh, he has experienced something. Perhaps you served as a, a witness in trial and uh, maybe called to the witness stand and you were asked questions. And on that stand, you were simply to give the testimony of what you knew or what you had experienced or what you had seen. And that is the witness. We're to give testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you know Jesus Christ, if he has come into your heart and life and you will never go to hell, you have a story to tell. You have a witness that you can give. One day, we're going to give an account of our witness. One day, we will stand before the Lord and we give an account of that witness. And I think of the song, not one soul with which to greet him. Must I meet my Savior so? Uh, and uh, must I go and empty-handed? I, I don't want to be empty-handed. I want to be a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ. Now, what are just some practical things, if you want to write some of this down, as we look at a couple of these verses, just some practical uh, uh, things that God gives us in being a witness. First of all, uh, notice in verse number three, the opportunity of witness. And Paul is asking for prayer. And he says in verse number three, with all praying, also for us. But notice the statement, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Now Paul is looking for that open door, for that opportunity. And he says, as you pray for me, you pray that God would open doors, that God would give this opportunity to preach the gospel. Now, remember where Paul is when he wrote the book of Colossians. He's in prison. Even in prison, he's looking for an opportunity. He's looking for an open door. I think it's interesting, Paul did not ask the church to pray that he might be delivered from prison. Uh, I know that Paul would much rather have his freedom and be out, uh, on, uh, uh, out in the open, out in, uh, in the free life uh, with that opportunity. But Paul, as he asks for prayer, he's asking for an open door even in the prison house. And I think it's interesting as we study back in the book of Philippians and we read in the book of Acts uh, chapter 13, it's evident that Paul was able to reach a part of the Roman Empire that he would never have been able to reach had he not been in prison. And because of his prison sentence, Paul reached into Caesar's own household. 
And we know from history that many from Caesar's household, Philippians tells us this, but history also tells us this, many from Caesar's household came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's interesting, here is Caesar that hates Christianity, right under his nose, he's got a prisoner for the cause of Christ, and that prisoner is winning his own household to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, only God could do that. And so the Lord is taking this opportunity that Paul has been given and opening a door of witness. And if we could just understand that God is sovereign and that God will put you in positions, uh, whether good or bad, uh, that he might give you an open door and opportunity of witness. Now, he witnessed also, we know, to elite soldiers. Can you imagine being chained to Paul? Now, if you don't know the Lord and don't want to know the Lord, that's not a very good place to be chained. Because I, I guarantee you that Paul was going to give testimony for Jesus Christ. I think Paul used every opportunity that the Lord gave him. And they were captive, a captive audience. They couldn't escape from Paul. Uh, they couldn't get away from Paul. They had to listen to Paul. They had to pay attention uh, to what Paul was expressing. And we know that history expresses there were many of these elite soldiers that came to saving faith in, in Jesus Christ because of the testimony and witness of Paul. Now, here's the principle tonight. It's God that opens and closes doors. And as we pray for each other, we ought to pray for open doors. We ought to pray, we call them divine appointments, opportunities that God gives you, people that God places into your life, open doors to be a witness for Jesus Christ. We can be assured tonight that God makes no mistakes. And even a, a negative circumstance like prison uh, is an opportunity of witness. I, I think of, of Brother Wilkins. I visited him in St. Vincent's in Santa Fe, and there was a nurse in the, in the room uh, taking his blood pressure. Well, Brother Wilkins saw that nurse as an opportunity of witness. And so I arrived, and only to listen to Brother Wilkins. I, I was there to visit Brother Wilkins, and, and when I walk in the room, he had this nurse uh, in a, she was there. She couldn't get away. She's given a blood test, and he's given a testimony for Jesus Christ. And, and I believe that's what God wants us to do, looking for those open doors. It's God that brings people to our lives. It's God that prepares hearts. It's the Lord that convicts, and it's the Lord, the Holy Spirit, that convinces of the need of Jesus Christ. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convert to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We're simply vessels. We're the vessels through which God pours the message of Jesus Christ. Now, the Lord could have chosen angels to send the message of the gospel, but God chose men, women, boys, and girls just like us to be the vessels through which the gospel would get out into the world. And so here's the opportunity of witness. Now, notice also, if you look at verse 3, and I want to just speak of this as the power of witness. Paul is expressing with all praying also for us. See, Paul understood the importance of prayer when it comes to witness, when it comes to preaching. See, prayer energizes the witness, energizes the testimony. Uh, I've heard the testimony of Charles Spurgeon, 
And he was given a tour once of uh, the Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle and uh, just a humongous building from what I understand. And uh, they would have as many as 5,000 people uh, that would come to hear uh, young Charles Spurgeon preach. And he's giving the tour through the facility. Uh, he says, now would you like to see the, the power source uh, for all of this? And he takes them below to the basement. And he said, this is the power source. And then he explains, he says, every time when I'm in the pulpit preaching, right down below here in this basement is a group of people that are praying and seeking the face of God. He said, that's the power source. I think that's what the Lord is speaking of here through Paul. Paul understood, if I am going to be a powerful witness, you've got to be praying for me. You've got to be praying that God will open the door, that God will give the opportunity, but God that God will take and bring conviction and draw uh, those souls that we witness to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very crucial that we pray for each other in this capacity. Uh, it's very crucial that we pray for our church. Uh, pray for me. You pray that uh, as I preach, that would be God's power. Pray for Brother Hilberto in the Spanish ministry. Pray for Brother Andrew up in Trutras. Uh, pray for our Bible studies in El Rito. And for those open doors, you pray that God will empower that. Pray for church members, that God would open doors of witness and that God would empower that witness. It's the power of witness. Now in chapter 4, verse number 3, uh, we have here the message of our witness. He says, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance, that here to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Speak the mystery of Christ. What is that mystery? As we, as we look at the Word of God, uh, it's salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, without the law. Uh, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's the local church that is planted by the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, here's that mystery. And, and, and I believe what Paul's expressing is we have a clear message to proclaim. See, the world is lost in need of a Savior. Uh, Christ paid the debt of sin. All that come to the Lord Jesus Christ, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. It's a free gift, and that free gift is to be received. And as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, we have a message to give to the nations. We have a message to give to the people. This couple, as they go to Argentina, uh, they give the very same message that we give here in Española. It's the very same message that a missionary went to Mexico and preached. And it's the very same message now that that church is sending out to Argentina. It's the very same message that was taken to South Korea. And it's the same message that uh, Brother Kim's uh, father heard and came to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the message of our witness. It's the same. Brother Wilkins used to say, sinners are like green beans. They may call themselves Baptist or Catholic or Jehovah's Witness or Mormon, but the fact is they're all sinners. And sinners have to be saved in the same way. You can open up the can of green beans. It might be Jolly Green Giant. It might be Del Monte. It, it might be some great value brand. But they're green beans inside. And sinners, regardless of their label, are sinners in need of a Savior 
and we preach the same message to a Catholic, to a Baptist, to a Methodist, to a Jehovah's Witness. We preach the same message in Española or in Mexico or in Argentina or in South Korea. It's the message of Jesus Christ. And so there's the message of our witness. And notice also in verse number four, there must be the clarity of our witness. He says that I may make it manifest. Let me give you the dictionary. This is the 1828 Webster's Dictionary definition of manifest. Manifest means plain, open, clearly visible to the eye or obvious to the understanding. Apparent, not obscure or difficult to be seen or understood. See, the gospel message is simple. It's so simple that a child can understand it. And yet Paul is requesting prayer that as he gives the gospel, it might be clearly manifest, it might be clearly revealed. See, the gospel must be spiritually understood. The natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. And the only way this simple gospel message can be manifest or the only way it can be understood is that the Spirit of God would bring the message of God, the Word of God, to the heart and explain or manifest that to the human heart. Uh, It's kind of like uh, trying to pick up an FM station on an AM frequency, and it cannot be done. And so you have to be on the right frequency to pick up the message, and that frequency is delivered by the Spirit of God. Pasquale, I was just thinking of uh, of Brother Cruz uh, today, and uh, as I was thinking about Brother Cruz, I had witnessed to Brother Cruz many, many times, and uh, it was like like no understanding, no grasp. In fact, I know that uh, when Brother Cruz would see me, he would go off to a back room or hide from me, and he would try to get away from me. Uh, But I remember that, that Thursday night, uh, that I showed up at, at your house, and I still remember there by that couch, it was as if the, the Lord made manifest the gospel. And it was very clear suddenly, and uh, there Brother Cruz, under conviction, not brother at that time, but became brother, under conviction, the Lord opened his heart, and there he called upon the name of Jesus Christ. And it was a whole difference. It was, it was the Lord that manifest. And that's what Paul is expressing in the simplicity of the gospel As we give the gospel, we need God's discernment to make it clear, uh, not to make it difficult, not to make it confusing. We need God's illustrations to bring the truths of the cross uh, to the heart of man. But we also realize that it's God's spirit that brings illumination to the heart and manifests the gospel in the heart and in the life. Uh, Brother Duane, uh, I'm thinking of Mrs. Tidwell. And uh, I think you and I had been to her house uh, multitudes of times. And it was as as if there was just a blindness to the gospel. Uh, She had come to church here and a missionary, a missionary to Thailand. I still remember uh, this missionary had had said something and it sparked something in Mrs. Tidwell. And we went to that house uh, Thursday night and, and it was amazing how God made manifest the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that night she was saved and we saw the transformation in her life. And so there is the clearness of the witness. Notice also verse 4, and we're going to call this the boldness of witness. 
Paul makes a statement that I may make it manifest. He says, as I ought to speak. I want to read that. I want you to go back with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And notice Paul's prayer request to the Christians of Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 18, Paul says as he's requesting prayer, praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Then he says, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that their enemies speak boldly, but notice again this statement, as I ought to speak. And so I think of this as the boldness of the witness. Paul says in Colossians 4, verse 4, as I ought to speak. Now we ought to speak the precious gospel message. It's our duty. The gospel has reached us. If you are saved, you will never die and go to hell. If you're saved, you've been forgiven. If you're saved, you have a message to tell. If you're saved, you ought to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a a duty, you have an obligation to make known what Jesus has done for you. And you ought to speak boldly, you ought to speak unashamedly, you ought to speak unapologetically. Again, Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel. Uh, He wouldn't allow prison to stop him. Now think about this. He's in prison for preaching, yet he's asking prayer that he would continue to preach as he ought to speak. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? And I thought about John Bunyan. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He was arrested for preaching and put into prison. He was given a promise that if he would stop preaching, they would release him from prison. I want to read his reply. If I'm out of prison today, I will preach the gospel again tomorrow by the help of God. And that ought to be how we speak. We ought to speak. May we have that boldness in our witness. Now, look at verse number 6. And we'll call this the wisdom of our witness. This is very important. The wisdom of our witness. Verse 5. It says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may now know how you ought to answer every man. Now, I see here, if you look at verse 5, the, the wisdom of our walk. He says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. When he speaks of those that are without, he's speaking of those outside, the family of God. Those that have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, whether you realize it or not, a lost world watches you. The moment you claim the name of Jesus Christ, people are watching you. You've heard it said that your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. People watch you. They watch your life. I believe when the Bible speaks of the qualifications of a pastor, you ought to look to their relationship on the outside. Do they have a good testimony for the cause of Jesus Christ? That's very crucial. See, we must be on constant guard concerning 
our testimony. May we never bring a reproach on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think this is what broke the heart of David. If you were to go to Psalm 51, and in Psalm 51, David, uh, that's his prayer of confession after Bathsheba and after Uriah. And in Psalm 51, verse number 14, David made this statement, to deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. And what David is expressing, it's evident that he was brokenhearted for the shame and the reproach that he brought upon the cause of Jesus Christ. You see, his walk had not lived up uh, to the relationship and the testimony that he had given, and he's seeking the grace of God, the forgiveness of God and that. So there's the wisdom of our walk. Notice in verse number 5, there's the wisdom of our work. The statement at the end of verse 5 is redeeming the time, making use of the time that the Lord has given to us. Night soon comes upon us when no man can work. Jesus is coming. And when he comes, it's too late. Death is approaching. I think of a neighbor of mine. I told the story years ago, and God had put this neighbor upon my heart. He was an older man. And I remember one day just stopping and having a conversation uh, he farmed uh, next to us. And, and I had a conversation with him, and, and it was so strong upon my heart that I needed to witness to him. And uh, I held it within and just didn't say anything to him at that point. Went off to college, and while I'm in college, Mom gives me a call and says, uh, I just want you to know that uh, your neighbor Clint, he's in the hospital, and they don't think he's going to live. And had an opportunity to come back home, and I went to the hospital to visit him, and I gave the witness, but at that point, I'm not sure that Clint was able to understand the message. And I thought about that many, many times. God gave me an opportunity, redeeming the time, and I did not take use or make use of that time. It has been a uh, really, to, to me, a, a testimony. When God puts somebody upon your heart, uh, you redeem that time. See, Jesus is coming. Death is approaching, and hearts are hardening. My wife was asking me about one of these plum trees back out here, and it's growing a little bit crooked. And she says, is there anything we can do to straighten it out? And I said, it's a little bit late. The, the trunk on that thing is pretty large, and if you want to go out there and pull on it all day, you can do that. Uh, but it's going to be very difficult. And you see, hearts are hardening, and as people begin to age, their hearts become harder to the gospel. Interesting statistic was given uh, that uh, in a seminary, this was a Baptist seminary, uh, they did a survey of the preachers in that seminary, and they discovered that most of them were saved before the age of 11. Now, I believe, and I've seen Mr. Allison saved at the age of 80, and I'm grateful for that. But if you look at statistics, the older a person comes, the less likely they are to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's very important that we redeem the time that God has given to us and that we give that witness. There's the witness or the wisdom of our work. Uh, verse number 6 talks about the wisdom of our words. It's a neat verse. Let your speech be always with grace. Wasn't the Lord Jesus Christ a, a powerful testimony of that? You look at his witness, the woman at the well. 
struck up a conversation with her, sparked her curiosity. That's salt. And uh, salt adds the flavoring to the food, and salt brings really the desire for the gospel. And then he confronted her need and confronted her sin, and he gave her the answer, I'm the living water, and he that drinks of this water shall never thirst again. And she began to thirst after that righteousness. And we know that woman came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, just prior to that, in John chapter 3, there's the witness to Nicodemus. And he spoke with grace to Nicodemus. He spoke to Nicodemus in terms and illustrations that Nicodemus could understand. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof. Canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. And then in very simplicity, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, with grace, the Lord Jesus gave witness. And uh, this statement here, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. And uh, some people in that salt, uh, they think you, you cast salt into a wound. And uh, no, what the Lord is, is doing is, is that salt gives the thirst for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that salt gives the flavoring to the gospel, uh, seasoned with salt. And he says that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Uh, always be prepared to give a testimony of the gospel. Uh, Brother Charles, just a moment ago, was uh, looking at the picture of, of Brother Salcedo uh, that was on the, on the prayer board here. And of course, Brother Salcedo with the Lord. And uh, I've been out knocking doors with Brother Salcedo. And uh, what, a, what a blessing. Uh, we, he would knock on a door, and uh, he would introduce himself, and then it wouldn't be long. They're talking about something there in the yard. And uh, what a pretty flower that is. And uh, not long, and they struck, and it's like they've been friends all of their lives. And uh, then before I know it, here's Brother Salcedo. He turns this around and gets right to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I witnessed a number of times as people uh, just kind of were drawn to that message. And it was never the same. Uh, it, was, it was different. Uh, it just each little conversation. I think that's what the Lord is expressing. That's what the Lord did as he spoke to the woman at the well. That's what the Lord did as he spoke to Nicodemus. And that you might know how you ought to answer every man. And always be prepared to give an account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the Lord will open doors if we will look for those open doors. And as we look for those opportunities, uh, uh, we can be a witness for Jesus Christ. We've been left behind. You know, when you got saved, the Lord could have taken you to heaven right away. But he left you here. Why? As a testimony. As a witness. Uh, there's the opportunity. You ought to pray for open doors. God gives those doors, divine appointments. Ought to pray for power in that witness, understanding it's the Holy Spirit that brings the conviction, and it's prayer that gives that power. The message of our witness, it's the same. Sinners are sinners. And we have the same message. The clarity, it's the manifestation, the clear gospel message, and boldly in that witness, and then the wisdom of the witness, the wisdom in our walk and the wisdom in our work and the wisdom of our words. And that's the calling that each of us have.
I don't know whether you've enjoyed this, but I'm enjoying the book of Colossians, and it's just practical. This is right down to where we live. This is who we are. This is what God's called us to do. It's just this practical, everyday Christian life of being a testimony. Let's bow our heads tonight, every head bowed.